Hey listener, we care about you in the Great Story community, and so we wanted to let you know in this episode there is potentially disturbing content for some, uh, including robbery, violence, uh, and rape. So we just want to let you know that just before we get started. Welcome to Great Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Gray Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode, this time uh, with someone that we know from conference of last year, Rachel Henry. She's going to be sharing her story, uh, some of which she did at conference 2020, um, but some of, it, uh, some of it you may not know as well as you listen in. Now, speaking of conference, uh, conference 2021 is coming up very, very quickly. Uh, so there is an exclusive code from Great Story Podcast if you want to save some money. You can just go to greatstoryministries.com, go to registration, and then uh, underneath the tab there, you're going to type in podcast 25. Uh, That's podcast 25, no spaces, and that'll save you 25% off of your admission to Great Story Conference 2021. I hope that you'll uh, make that happen because I'd love to meet you, and I'd love to see you around uh, the podcast booth or over by the the Grace Story live set, um, or just out and about. While you're heading over to GraceStoryMinistries.com and typing all that in, saving your 25% and getting your registration taken care of for conference, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Uh, it's Rachel Henry. She's married to Simon, her high school sweetheart. Uh, they've been married for 12 years, and they have an interesting story, and it all kind of centers around an event in 2014 where three men broke into their house on a night where Simon was gone, robbed them, and raped Rachel, all while her kids were still in the house sleeping. Uh, For the last four years, they've been on a journey of healing and hope, and now they're ready to encourage you on the journey from broken to brave uh, by providing their story, uh, and they've got lots of resources at their website, simonandrachelhenry.com. All right, there is a lot to get to in this story, a lot here in this episode. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Rachel Henry right now. Rachel Henry, I have you here on Grace Story Podcast. It's wonderful to have you back. You were one of our speakers at Conference 2020, so it's yeah. good to get back in contact with you. How are you doing? I know, we're doing great. Uh, it seems like so long ago. I don't know, this winter was a long winter, but we've made it through. It's spring. And yeah, conference was just such a nice break for me to, I mean, just refreshing, first of all, and uh, being able to get away from the normality of life and my kids and my family. And then I was just blown away by the content and by um, the speakers and the quality of everything that I heard. I just thought it was so good. Yeah. And you're talking about conference 2020 there, which Gray Story Conference is coming up sooner than we think. Uh, what was it like sharing your story in front of a whole bunch of other uh, people? What, what is that like? Um, yeah, it's, it's good. I know, I don't, you know, it's, I've shared it personally with people, but then sharing it on a large platform like that, I'm always like, how much should I prepare? I don't want to leave things out, but I also don't want to tell too much. And, um, but I just always feel so humbled to have the chance to share that. And I'm hoping that the hope that I have found through Christ and the healing that I've had can give 
other women hope to know that there is, uh, there's a future after pain and after trauma. Well, and with that, did you find uh, even at conference or after conference, people connecting with you over their shared experiences on something so terrible? Um, I have found that in the past. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know if if that happened as much from the conference as it had in other things, just um, because it was such a, a smaller group of people. Um, but I have had the chance to share on a few other podcasts before or um, I guess those are the main ways that I would have random people reach back out to me and say, I've been through something similar. I'm so thankful that you shared. And um, a lot of times they have similar experiences of healing too. So there's that camaraderie that comes from sharing our, our healing together. Well, and I like the focus on the healing because so many times it seems like people can tune into a podcast or or some episode and be like, yeah, I want to hear the nitty gritty. What are the details? You mm-hmm. know, because we're a society that loves those uh, investigated, uh, <laughs> the, the unsolved crimes and all those things. But your story is not not about necessarily the, the event that happened, although that is right. what you tell. It's more about the healing. Um, and let's go. Let's go to that. Where does your story begin. Okay. Uh, Well, just to tell you a little bit about myself, if you weren't at conference and you have no idea who this lady is, um, I am now, how old am I? I'm 35 years old. So this, what I'm going to tell about happened seven years ago. So I was a 28 year old wife and mom. I had four kids that were ages six, four, four, and two. And my husband and I um, lived in a small town, Indiana. He worked at a local college and uh, it was, we had a great life. We had a great community of friends. We loved being parents and investing in our kids. And uh, it just so happened though that my husband had to stay out of town for a week. And uh, I mean, are, are you good if I just go ahead and dive in here with what yeah, happened? Yeah, okay. go for it. Um, so we, he, was, he was staying actually just a couple blocks away at the college and uh, I I was not really a fearful person. I I know that some people have this, you know, really have to go around and check all the doors, make sure everything's closed up. And I didn't really live with that kind of fear. But um, I don't know, just, I mean, wanted to obviously have a sense of safety, but didn't feel unsafe in our home. But um, I did wake up one of those nights hearing some noises in my kitchen and confronted three men in my home and uh, just... You know, it's like I hadn't thought through what I would do in that situation. I didn't think to grab my phone right away because it was, I think looking back, it was just like my husband's not here and my kids are here. And so I have to get out there and confront whatever's happening and didn't think to get my phone or call 911. So um, in retrospect, you know, you always think, what if I would have done that differently? But um, so these guys, I could not tell how old they were, but they were fairly young and they wanted money or computers. So they wanted to search the house and look for things. Long story short, um, they did go to search the house, but in the meantime, they also took turns and as a group proceeded to rape me multiple times and uh, just take advantage of me in that way. And it was terrifying. I had never imagined myself in that situation and would never wish it on anybody. But I know during the whole time, I didn't necessarily feel afraid um, for my life. And I think the biggest concern in my heart was, Lord, please keep my children asleep. 
And I prayed that out loud. I prayed constantly like, God, send your angels, keep my kids asleep. And it is a miracle that he did. And so none of my children woke up during that, even though these guys were in the rooms, rummaging through drawers next to my sleeping kids. And um, it's just God's complete miracle that he, he sent his angels to keep them asleep. So I'm so thankful for that. And um, so I, I'm also another thing to be thankful for is they were not physically violent with me beyond the obvious of what was going on. There, there was no beating or um, there was no like tying up. And, and these are things that I've heard from other women's stories, which is why I bring that contrast of, and I don't know why, I don't know why they, they left with, without further physical harm. Um, but again, that's another aspect that I choose to be thankful for in the midst of it. Um, so they did, they stole my phone and our computers. They took any random change or money they could find around the house. They took my purse, but I guess they didn't want it because in the morning I found it all over the alley. And um, they, they left saying, have a blessed night. And that was it. And I was just like, what just happened? I don't know what to do next. I don't have any way to contact somebody without actually leaving my house. Uh, and I didn't want to do that. I thought, I'm going to stay here with my kids. And we'll just, there's, there's not really anything I can do if I leave right now. So um, I waited till the morning. And my kids woke up. I tried to keep things as normal as possible for them. And finally sat them down and said, guys, we have to go get daddy because our house was robbed last night and God just gave me these words right then to compare it to an adventures of an odyssey episode that we had listened to a lot of times. And this, the Barkley family had all, everything stolen from under their Christmas tree. And we had listened to that a lot and it was very familiar to them. And I just feel like right then God gave me that story and I was able to communicate to that, that to them in a way they'd understand. And, um, and they were just, so innocent about it. And why don't people get jobs if they want to steal stuff? And, you know, it was real basic, but they knew we needed to go get dad and that was fine. So we went over to get him and uh, their, their first words out of their mouth when they saw him was like, daddy, we were robbed. I was like, it was this exciting adventure. And, and he just assumed, I think at first that maybe someone took stuff out of the yard or something like that. And then as the kids talked, he realized that like there was how many, how do you know how many there were? Oh, mom, talk to them. Wait, mom, talk to them. <laughs> like what else is there? And so he and I were able to step aside from our kids. And uh, I, I was nervous to tell him as I think, you know, that's like heartbreaking news to share with your husband. Um, and actually just to step back a little bit, while the three men were there, they had multiple times said, you have to swear to God that you're not going to tell anyone what we're doing or we're going to come back and take your kids. And so even though I didn't think that was really going to happen, there I had I had said that I swear to God. And that just was so hard for me to be like, I made this promise, but I know I'm going to break it. Like, And obviously, I'm not held accountable to those three men. So um, I finally was able to communicate to Simon that something had happened, but obviously didn't go into details at that point. And so he just cried and held me. And he was the one then that immediately went and contacted the police. And they met us at our house and started all of their investigations. 
So, I, and I heard you you tell this at conference, and it mm-hmm. still was something. As a husband and a father, I immediately just, as you're telling your story, just I keep getting more angry and angry and angry. <laughs> and so the next question I have is just like, how was justice served? Like, because you, you're leaving <laughs> yeah. it there. They just went out into the night and they got away with it. How, right. Was justice ever served against these three people? It was. Um, and I, I, you know, after a while finding out, I think the police knew fairly quickly who they thought it was, but they had to collect enough DNA evidence to connect them to the DNA they collected from our house, which was plentiful. They left fingerprints, other DNA everywhere. So they had it from us, but they needed to make sure they connected it to the right person. So I think for about the next month, any little thing that they were finding uh, people doing, like stealing uh, scooters or like little theft of of stores or something, they would take DNA, which normally they wouldn't. And so through that, they were able to get a solid match of all three of them. And so it was actually almost exactly one month until they arrested all three. So it's fairly quick. And it broke my heart, but they were two 15-year-olds and a 17-year-old. And so uh, you know, the, all the, there was still some anger there, but it was also this sadness for them. Like what kind of home must have these guys grown up in to even get to the point at that age to do something so evil, you know, um, and they must have had terrible lives to get them to that point. So I feel like um, having known that and being a mom, it aided my forgiveness of them just because even though they did make the choice themselves and it was very, you know, the worst thing they could have chosen. It's, it's with a reason that is, is not all their fault. Um, so I pitied them <laughs> for, for the life they've had. Well, and you, you mentioned a couple different ways that choices were made and there's consequences mm-hmm. to our actions. Those consequences can be good and bad mm-hmm. for them. Their consequences uh, thankfully justice was served, but I, I hear you saying things like I choose to be thankful for this, or I choose mm. to be grateful in the moment that this did or did not happen. Um, yeah. I choose to, uh, move towards the pity instead of the anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned choosing to forgive, uh, and mm. you mentioned this at conference too, the importance for you, not necessarily for them to forgive. Can you, and that, that is a mind blowing thing to forgive an attacker, uh, mm-hmm. to forgive somebody who could have sent your life in a, a, a spiral Yeah, and seemingly did for a while. Um, yeah, it definitely changed everything about life for that, for that time. So how, how do you, what, what was the significance and why do you say it's important for you to forgive them? Mm. I mean, several reasons. One less important one, but I think it's important even in me knowing to share my story is I had heard other women share stories at a couple of random times in my life. Maybe not in a story exactly like this, but stories where something terrible happened to a woman and she chose to forgive. And I remember thinking that's what I would want to do if that ever happened to me, because I can see the work of God in that woman's life. And so I never knew I would have the chance to put it into practice like that. But I remember, like, I couldn't tell you any uh, anything else about those people's stories, except I remembered they chose to forgive from the start. It wasn't like this years of processing. It was like, I know I'm going to forgive these people. 
Um, so that, that's one thing. And I've never actually shared that anywhere else before. So that's, that's a new one for you. Um, but I, I just think it was so clear to me that as a believer in Jesus and his command to forgive and that the way we forgive other people is how God will forgive us is like, I can't, I can't change. I can't try to finagle that statement in a way that lets me have anger against these people. Like it's so clear, like God says to forgive them. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of practice had gone into me trying to see the perpetrators as the way God sees them, um, that he's willing to forgive them. Why would I not be willing to forgive them? Um, and I, I just couldn't, there was no way for me to get around it. And so it was, you know, it was that choice. And I, I also think another thing that really played into it, and I know we'll get more into this, but God was just so faithful in the aftermath of what happened and the way that the body of Christ came around us and the way that he restored so many things that I almost felt like I had no choice to like, how could I still choose to be angry after so many good things have now happened? Uh, and, and unfortunately that's not everyone's story. Like not everyone has good things happen after a trauma. And so I definitely understand that, that when I tell my story, it's not like I expect everyone else just to magically be like, okay, now I'm going to forgive. If, if things are still terrible, there's so many factors and so many different stories that can make that aspect harder. Well, and as I hear you, I, I'm I'm thinking that myself, trying to channel a listener is like, oh, that's great. You have everything lined up apparently right. to deal with this. You've apparently planned ahead of time what you're going to do if it happens. <laughs> like, I don't have a support structure. I don't have people. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some people probably even know their attackers before that happens. Exactly. That makes um, it so much harder. I'm still living with my attacker. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about that, you know, it's. But the the main thing I gleaned from from what you're saying, while the circumstances are different, it it, it is a choice either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and do with that what you will. But you've kind of alluded to this a little bit. But I want to ask the question: How did your experience impact your faith moving forward? I mean, 100 percent did impact it. I think uh, I had a good foundation of my of my belief in Christ, my um, investment in my spiritual life. But I feel like I had never really been put to, I guess, a test uh, where your faith is tested and you're really given the chance, okay, now that something hard is happening, now what do you really believe? Um, so I, I felt like this was this was definitely a test, right? Like I was put to the test and it was like, what are you going to do now? But um, again, it was like, it brought up a lot of questions as far as like deeper theological things, like how does God let this happen? But this happened to me one time for like 30 minutes. And there's women on the other side of the world who are experiencing this multiple times a night, every night, and this is their life. How do I reconcile that? Um, And so it just opened up my mind to this so much pain that's happening in the world and, um, and how, how does God play into that? And I don't think it's a question that I've answered um, other than to to narrow it down and say, what is my part in helping other women out of their pain? I can't understand the pain in the whole world and what's happening, but I can focus in on what can I do to play a role in helping women heal. Um, and maybe some of those harder questions I've just let go because I know that I I won't find the answer in this side of life. So, but 
like we were talking about choices and intentionality, I, I stayed in God's word. I took time to get away uh, either like with a women's retreat or um, obviously kept going to church and which was sometimes awkward. I know sometimes if you've gone through something, you know, everybody knows what happened and you feel like everyone sees you and they're thinking about what happened. But I went anyway. And just I, I guess I always try to assume the best about people. So if I ever thought people were looking at me, I was imagining their thoughts to be positive towards me. <laughs> so maybe that helped. I don't uh, maybe other people would see the negative and think everyone's being critical of them. But uh, I guess that's the lens I see the world through is a positive one. But um, kept going to church, getting in the word. And I just feel like God was so faithful as I put in the time and, and dug in, read books, tried to find healing, that he did the healing. It, you know, it, it's like math. Like you put in the time, God shows up and you find healing. It's not going to happen without your own investment. Well, and you, a, a couple of things you say, and I, I hear as positive or healthy coping mechanisms, such mm. as reframing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like after trauma and I, I, I think evidence would show this, it's very easy to just have the negative framework Definitely. and keep devolving. And then also you, it doesn't sound like you moved towards isolation at all. Um, no, which is not at all. Not only a biblical concept of community, but also a great story concept of community. And yeah. then everyone, you need that support. Um, but church, you know, I, I, with yours, uh, your, your, your story was probably in the news and everybody knew, mm-hmm. um, and they're probably following it. So it's probably very, very difficult for you not to have anybody anywhere, not know kind of what's <laughs> going on. Um, how did you find people beyond just the general church community to connect with about this? Was there anybody special that you connected with on this? As far as I know, everyone that I reached out to was probably related to my church or to the college, which was also a Christian college. So in that circle, I feel like um, they were they were all having the same beliefs as me and there to support me. But as far as then counseling, um, you know, being connected to the college, we definitely had access to, I would say, some higher level connections as far as the people who are teaching psychology had really good connections and the experience to know you need to go to this person. And so having that, like I had a lady reach out to me and say, I'm going to take you to this counselor that I used when my husband died. And, and she's like, I'm paying for your first couple sessions. I mean, like just this amazing outpouring of support that if I didn't have that, I don't know how long it would have been until I found the right kind of counseling. Um, and so, you know, it's another one of those parts of my story that I'm so thankful for, but again, is not what's normally experienced by people who are going through something on their own and don't know where to, I mean, if you're just on your own, like if I've moved to new areas now and I'm like, how do I find a counselor? How do I know who's good? And I don't know who to ask because it's not really something that's talked about. Um, that's one thing I love about what Grace Story did was, was having that reference of being able to support or, or to connect people to reputable counselors or chiropractors, or I mean, like any of those things, I feel like Grace Story is really trying to get a network of reputable people so that there can be quality help. Yeah. And, and following up what you're saying, because there may be somebody out there again, listening like, that's great. I hear your story is mm-hmm. awesome following that. But I would just push back just a little bit and say another common denominator 
is God. And if you're yeah. listening to this episode of this podcast, you are connected to a resource mm. that can help you with all these things. And you can email me, Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com or get with Amber, Amber at GraceStoryMinistries.com. Message us on right. Facebook. And we can help you get connected with uh, resources, community, all those things to help you move through some of this. Um, But Rachel, you're not alone in all this. You have a family, you have Mm -hmm. kiddos. Um, How did this affect them and and more your interactions with them? uh, How did this affect your parenting as well? Uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely believe it has. I I don't know if at the time they just think if you're house is robbed that apparently you like <laughs> uh, you pick up your whole life and you move around the country for a couple of weeks and then you get a new house. <laughs> like, uh, that's probably not what most people do when they get robbed, but they obviously didn't know the full extent of what had happened and what we were trying to work through. I'm just, I was actually just commenting my husband to my husband the other day. I was like, can you believe after what we've been through and like our kids know that our house was robbed in all of the year, it's been, it's going to be seven years this summer. I don't think any of them have ever voiced the fear of someone coming and breaking into our house. And I'm like, what in the world? When I was a kid, I was super scared of someone breaking into my house. And I had, that had never happened to me. I didn't have a reason to be scared. It was just this fear. Um, and I'm like, God is so good. And I feel like he's really helped me to try to speak. What's the opposite of fear? Uh, courage (laughs) courage uh bravery not being afraid to my kids especially concerning things like that you know if we ever talk about fear or or locking our doors at night or just those things like i never say i i never go to the extreme of guys we need to really make sure we're safe i don't try to voice any anxiety to them uh or or place that fear on them of we need to really be on the lookout because then I think that could create that fear in them of a feeling like, oh, well, if mom's scared, then maybe I should be scared. And so I've been very intentional to just speak life into them concerning that specific uh, area of fear in the home of break-ins and such. And I just feel like God has really been faithful with that and to, to not have fear be a part of our home. And uh, so I'm really thankful for that. And just as far as parenting, um, like I said, our kids didn't and actually still don't know the full extent of what happened to me. My oldest actually just turned 13 uh, last week. And so he's getting to the point and he's very, you know, tech savvy. And I'm like, it's only going to be so long until he, he's already tried looking us up on Google, you know, and our podcasts show up and I'm like, he's going to end up listening to this probably before long, or he'll get curious. And I'm just praying that it's at the time that God has ordained so that it can minister to him and his own journey with faith and seeing, okay, now that I know everything that happened, I can see how my parents walked that out. I can see how my mom chose not to live in fear. And I really am praying that that becomes a part of their testimony and their belief in Jesus because they're seeing it walked out, even though they didn't realize it all at the time. 
I love that. Parenting is so hard anyways. It's so hard (laughs) (laughs) to add something of that magnitude uh, to, to the learning because parents are learning right along with the kids. Oh yeah, We're just, you know, kind of admitting it (laughs) a little bit more these days. Yeah. And I didn't add, uh, we had four kids at the time, but we've had two since. So I now have six kids ages three to 13. So you're, you're one of those parents that people look at like, Hmm, why do they have so many kids? That's (laughs) a bunch of weirdos. (laughs) I just wanted to see what they would all look like. (laughs) Well, I know my my sister, Amber, she has four, and Mm -hmm. that that seems to be a big family. That's the kind of family I grew up in. We had four kids, so I don't know. Uh, I guess you're only supposed to have two these days, but... Uh, life would be so we we just had two with us the other night for something, and I was like, Simon, can you imagine if we only had two? Like, what would life even be like with only two kids? (laughs) But hey, God bless you if you have two, because I know God gives you what you can handle, and no matter how many you have, it's enough. (laughs) <laughs> well, there has to be a point where it just does, you know, add add two or three more. It's not going to make a difference. There. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But somehow, when you take one away, it can make all the difference. <laughs> like one kid's gone, it's like whoa. Speaking of kids, uh, yeah. you know, we have uh, what well, we call them kids, but teenagers and college mm. students. Um, this is not a phenomenon that happens after college or after high right. school or out of, um, you know, middle school. There is no age limit to sexual assault and rape. So true. Um, so let me ask you this question, and if you need time to think about it, but what would you say to a teenager or a college age individual who is connecting with your story and hates it mm-hmm. uh, that they have a connection there and they're yeah. reeling from being sexually assaulted and they don't even know what to do next? They are so confused. What would you say to them speaking of their life? Again, this takes effort. Um, and like you said, I love that you pointed out like that God is the best connector and can connect things even when we don't see them. Um, that's true for me too, right? Like I didn't know I had those connections before my trauma. God brought them to me. So God can bring them to you too. Um, I feel I actually uh, was talking to someone last night who went through a terrible sexual assault and she reached out to a group called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. And I actually was not familiar with this. Um, It's an acronym for something, but it's basically a sexual abuse uh, hotline that connects you to resources in your local area. And through that, she contacted them. They connected her with a local like women's shelter for women who have gone through things. And she had a phone number she could call anytime to talk to women that have gone through that or that are just there to talk to. And they, I don't know to what extent they had counseling, but it was just finding that listening ear, finding someone who knows what you're going through. And now she has gone on to actually join that hotline, join the the women's shelter and is wanting to do that for other women that are calling just because she saw how helpful it was to her. So that is one resource that um, I, I know is there and it's, I don't, I don't know if it's faith-based or not, um, but it's still finding, it's giving you someone to talk to, right? I think uh, so important to me is sharing our stories, just the power that that has to break the fear, that telling it every time we tell it, there's a little bit more healing. Um, And so finding safe people to talk to is so important. And um, I, I want to just say, oh, find someone in a church, but that's not always the safe, you know, you can't just say that across the board. So it does take time to build the trust and to find someone, um, that you know, that you can share with probably not a male 
if you're a woman that has gone through this, if there's a male that really wants to hear your story, that might not be the safest place. Um, but I, I know there are so many women that have unfortunately experienced sexual abuse and rape and, um, and finding them can take work. But I think it's so worth it to be able to connect and and find that camaraderie with each other. Well, and more than that, hearing that story you just shared, the the finding purpose in the pain, mm-hmm. um, and being able to have a purpose moving forward. Because I I I've never I don't even know what I would do next. Right, um, right. You know, because it, it unfortunately is not just women either. It's it's mm-hmm. men. So I would encourage people if they're listening to, even if you're not ready to share your story or you don't even want to uh, make it known, just join the Grace Story community group on Facebook and connect with people on some level. Don't isolate. Uh, another question I have for you, um, and we, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but statistics show that uh, only about 10% of sexual assaults are committed by total strangers, which fits, mm-hmm. fits your story. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I am an individual who knows my attacker, how can I begin to process what has happened to me while still knowing the person, possibly still having to interact with them on some level, uh, and they're still a part of my life? Mm. <laughs> That's a hard, a hard, hard thing to tackle. Um, I, I don't have probably the best answer because I haven't experienced that um, other than to always start with prayer, um, praying that God gives you his eyes to see them, to see them through his lens of um, forgiveness. But also, I mean, if I would say if it's like ongoing, there also has to be there also has to be a choice of, am I going to keep putting myself in this situation? And I know sometimes it's like, there's so many factors to that situation of not being able to leave because it's your income or, um, you know, there's, there's so many threads and, um, man, I don't feel like I have a very good answer for that. <laughs> well, and it's a challenge because I mean, we understand that the, there is no cut and dry. I know in episode nine, of this podcast, uh, we talked with Amanda Corzine, who's a sexual assault nurse examiner, and she mm. explained that it may not be the first time someone comes in to see her that they leave. It may yeah. not be safe. Um, I, I and, listened to that episode. That was so insightful and sad. And she explaining that, uh, you know, it, it may be too dangerous. The, leaving is the most dangerous time. So finding the most opportune time to leave. Um, yeah. But understanding you do have to get out. Yeah. Um, and not feeling alone again, get connected with great story community of nothing else. Um, let me ask you this in, in your journey. Um, did you ever have flashbacks like PTSD flashbacks and how did you deal with those? I was able, the counseling that I was taken to within the first four to six weeks was an EMDR therapist. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and it's very effective if done that soon after your trauma. Um, so I hadn't really had any flashbacks to that point, but there were things that would just, I would get hung up on. Um, for instance, if I would see a man who met the description of my perpetrators, I would like fixate on his hands and just like not be able to look away. I don't know why hands were not important <laughs> that night. It's not like I ever saw their hands, but for some reason, that that just it was a thing to me and so that was one of the things that we approached during emdr and 
Um, I know EMDR is a common term in the Grace Story community. So uh, it's a great therapy process to help take away some of the physical and emotional response to your memories without actually taking the memory away. So I still have full memory of what I went through and the details, but I can think about it without feeling like it's happening to me right now. Um, now I will say there was one time and it actually just happened a year and a half ago where my husband and I were watching a show. We watched This Is Us. I don't know. We love that show. I feel like that's, if only it was a Christian show because it touches on so many aspects of, of life and pain and trauma and, and it's fairly clean. So we really like that show. But there was in one episode, Randall goes down into his kitchen and standing in his kitchen is a man with his hood up and he's holding a knife and it was totally unexpected. Like it didn't give you any, I mean, obviously that's how break-ins are. It's not like, you know, it's going to happen. And I was completely shocked. I froze and then I just started crying. I sobbed for like 10 minutes. I was like, this must be what flashbacks feel like because I had never experienced that before. And it was really scary. And um, I mean, after that, I feel like, you know, I got over it, I moved on. But it was just really interesting to me how seeing that and being so caught off guard, what it felt like to experience that. And um, so I haven't gone back to EMDR for that, but I think it's probably in some ways, I remember my counselor saying, we don't want to do EMDR to all of your fe feelings about fear because we don't want you to totally live this fearless life. She's like, we still want you to go out from the grocery store into your car at night and still be like alert. Whereas if we do EMDR to everything you ever feel afraid about, you might not feel fear and fear is a good thing in some cases. You know, it's like you need a healthy amount of fear to protect yourself. Um, so I thought that was interesting. but. Um, yeah, so I definitely think EMDR was was very helpful to me, especially being that that soon after the trauma, and I still recommend it to people. Well, and Amber, I believe it's in episode two when she talks about her story way back at the beginning of, mm -hmm. of these episodes. She mentions EMDR, and I think there's a link in in the show notes of that episode as well. Um, if you have more questions about that as a listener, you can you can message us, and Amber or Ryan can help you understand a little bit more about that. But speaking of those those emotions, those um, those challenges with those difficult emotions, you, you you mentioned that you shouldn't just not interact with them at all, and you mm -hmm. shouldn't just interact with all of them all at the same time. Challenging difficult emotions after trauma. How did you work through when to um, confront them and when not to? Um, I mean, I think I just did it as they came. So another short example was. I don't know, it probably been a couple of months. We were living in a new house and I had to go downstairs to my living room to get a blanket for my kid. And all the lights were off already. And I, I walked down the stairs and I thought, <clears throat> it's really dark. That's a little bit scary. Should I turn on the lights or should I just go get it? And I thought, I'm going to face my fear and I'm going to walk into this darkness and I'm going to get the blanket. And like, it's this tiniest example, but I feel like that little step, it's like I chose courage over fear in that moment. And it's almost like retraining yourself that I can do hard things. I can confront the fear. And it's, I mean, it's not like I was doing something 
foolish. You know, I'm just walking into my living room in the dark. So it's not like I'm saying go out and do something crazy. It's not like don't go find a dark alley to walk through at night. That's not the same thing, (laughs) you know, but in those little moments where you know it's safe, but you feel afraid, take those little steps of courage Um, and emotions. I embraced them. I cried a lot. I cried in front of people. Um, If there was that I can share my story sometimes and not cry at all. Sometimes I've told my story and cried like a baby and I'm always embarrassed, but I, it's like, what else am I going to do? It's just crying. It's going to be okay. And I have to think that those emotions are either for my healing and I'm getting them out, or maybe it's for a person who's listening. And that show of emotion is really helping them to connect with my story. Um, so either way, I think that letting those emotions out, is really crucial and, and it's okay to show them. Well, and I like that you recognize the emotions themselves are not like something good or bad. It's like, Oh, I have emotions. I need to squelch this. This is terrible. Or, I mean, Jesus himself was an emotional being and he, there's many, many stories of his emotions, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I want to ask you, because uh, I want to dig deeper right there where you've you, self-induced exposure therapy, I guess, <laughs> is, is in your tool bag. Yeah. Uh, but what other what other actions uh, helped you kind of work through um, some of the, the things on your restoration journey? What other actions have you found helpful? Uh, one thing that is uh, definitely doable is finding a self-defense class. That's something I had never pursued pursued before. Um, didn't I don't know what I why I wouldn't have pursued that. But having gone through it now after an attack and wondering how how would have it changed that night if I would have had this? Um, a lot of it isn't just about hurting the other person. A lot of it has to do with my demeanor as a, a possible victim, like when someone is possibly attacking, even my demeanor and standing up against them firmly and yelling no or stop can be enough to offset them. Um, and that may, you know, makes me wonder, what if I would have been stronger that night, not with trying to physically fight them, it was three men, that probably wouldn't have ended well. But even from the beginning, what if I would have been more firm in my no, get out of my house, I'll call the cops, you know, and I didn't even go there that night. It was just like, I was like, whatever you want, take it. Um, And so I think that class was very healing for me to take afterwards. Just, I mean, it definitely brought out a lot of emotions going and attacking these dummies and hitting them. And then at the end, you actually have to do it against your instructor. So you're actually going against two real men. And man, that brought out a lot of emotion. So with that, did you... Because I can only imagine, did you find that terrifying or empowering or a blend? What what was that like to go up against a man (laughs) or multiple men again? Yeah, uh, it was it was definitely a little scary. Um, It it just I mean I know I I actually knew these people not very well, but they attended my church, and so um, but it just it's all that emotion that, that I have from my past that I'm bringing into that situation that brings it to the surface. Um, I think I felt really fierce (laughs) and I felt like I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to attack. And, um, but it was also empowering because I felt like I feel more confident now going away from this, that 
if something similar would happen again, I would approach it totally differently than I did the, that night. So I do encourage women to take that or teenagers or, you know, um, and I, you don't really see them advertise that much, but I think maybe a little digging could bring about local classes. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't pursued another one, but my daughters are getting close to teenage years. So I know I will be for them. Well, and I always imagine a self-defense class, you know, run out of a strip mall somewhere. Um, there, <laughs> there's got to be good options out there somewhere. Uh, yeah. We, with with all of this, because uh, there's lots of great stuff already, but what what was, if you had to isolate it to one, one thing that kind of was the biggest challenge for you to move past, um, and it could have diverged either way in your journey, um, what was that biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I don't... I mean, I feel like all of those things wrap together. Um, I feel like from the beginning, I I wanted there to be a purpose from what I went through. Um, and so I know I told God from the beginning, I want you to use this, but I don't know when the right times are to share something like this. And so if you bring something to me, my answer is yes. Um, otherwise, I'm not really going to like, try to branch out there and promote myself to share this story with other people. Uh, and I feel like that's actually been a really important part of my continued healing because I've been given those chances now to share. And every time that I have to go back and share my story, there's more healing that can be done. And sometimes there was one chance I had to share where I shared a lot of detail. I like we really went into the details of that night and then very specific things about the following days and my healing and having to go back through and, and re kind of live that um, it's, it's healing every time. And so I'm very thankful for the chance the, the constant reminder I have of what God did and to, to be reminded of his faithfulness. Uh, and I don't know if everyone's going to have the chance to do that, but I think if you give God kind of free reign with turning your pain into a purpose that he'll bring the right opportunities to do that. So that's, I, I think that's a really important part of turning our lives around and finding ways to help others. Well, and, sound, and, and everybody's biggest challenge is, is different um, and unique. It sounds like yours is continued vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and being consistent in your healing journey because uh, mm-hmm. people are also looking at you. <laughs> In a way, you know, as you share, you know, you you don't want to be that. We talked in one episode about, hey, uh, you know, with someone that failed, they put out like, hey, I failed in this and everybody seems to come to them or, hey, I was attacked. And now you're like the person people want to go to just because you shared. That can be overwhelming in and of itself. Um, It can. And I also have to be careful. It's it just at the more stories that I've heard. um, It's humbled me more than anything hearing other women's stories that I feel like are so tragic, so much more pain that they went through and starting to feel like letting Satan have this lie, like you're not good enough or what you went through wasn't bad enough to be where you are sharing with other people. Like what credibility do you have? You know, and uh, I definitely think that's a lie from Satan and God can use us no matter how our stories are different. Um, and so I want to be faithful to what God calls me to do and not give in to that lie that I should just be quiet and let someone more educated or someone who's had more years of experience in helping women do this. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting experience as I go, but, um, I just, I have to remind myself of that. And that is a challenge. 
Well, and Amber, our founder, um, she's mentioned those same things. Like she's like, mm. I'm unqualified. Um, she talks in one of her episodes, I think it's episode two, about sitting in 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 her counseling session and hearing other people as a group counseling session, hearing other people talk about their story, their stories, and she's like, I, mine is nothing. Uh, you know, so that that is is perfect and goes right along with what Amber's saying. So, what what does Rachel Henry do these days? Uh, these days, well, we, uh, we live in currently Northern Maryland in a couple of weeks, we're moving over the border to Southern Pennsylvania. Uh, that's kind of where we do life up there. And, um, all six of my kids are going to be in school next year. We're sending the youngest to pre-K, which I didn't think I would do, but I think I might get a job. So, <laughs> so we'll just do that so that they're all at the same place. Uh, we're involved in our church here, and I teach preschool currently. I'm not sure what job I'll have next year yet, but I'm also, I wanted to take time to share about this if I can. Um, I've been a part of another ministry called Nothing is Wasted, and uh, it actually has a very similar heart to the Grace Story community, where the founder of it, actually his wife experienced something very similar to what I went through. But at the end of it, she was shot by her perpetrators and ended up dying the next day. And so just from that happened a year after what happened to me. So from day one, I've just felt such a connection to that story and have followed along with his ministry and what he's done and had the chance to be on his podcast two summers ago. And then since then have joined into their ministry. They have an online community system where there's actually different groups for different types of pain and trauma. So there's groups for divorced people. There's groups for people who have lost a child. There's a group for widows and widowers. I lead the group for women who have experienced sexual abuse or rape. And so these women can come or men in the other groups can join and find that community um, it hasn't taken off quite like they thought it would. We had a lot of initial people join, but it's kind of been hard to foster conversation. So we're working through the, the details of how to grow something like that. Um, but very similar to, I know, what Grace Story is trying to put out there. But I love Grace Story, I feel like has a few more resources uh, that you make available and at this point, nothing is wasted is more just about finding other people that are going through that to be in community. But they do also have a course that he wrote called the pain to purpose course. So it's, you know, some of that same lingo that we were talking about. And I actually just yesterday did the last session with a group of ladies from my group. It's a 10 session um, series. And it just hits on so many of those same parts of healing that I feel like no matter what your trauma or pain is, the process of healing is kind of the same. And, um, and like you were saying, like about listening to other people's stories, there's almost something comforting about listening to how other people have healed from their pain. They could have gone through something totally different than you, but surprisingly, a lot of us end up going through the same processes as we heal. So there's just so much um, good to be found. And I feel like, you know, with nothing is wasted, Grace Story, there's so many good resources that are coming about. And I hope that people take the time to look into those. 
I love that. And that's another opportunity for just connection and community. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, I, I understand about the, it, you can't even getting into a group that's closed. Uh, there's mm-hmm. something that's different there about putting it out there on the internet, what you're talking about. Anonymity, that's a, that's a hard line to balance, but yeah. As we as we come to the end of this uh, episode, there's a question I like to ask and give you an opportunity. If if you could tell our listeners just one thing, uh, I'll leave them with one thing about what we've talked about today, something you want them to really remember, um, or an action item that you want them to do, wh- whatever it might be. What if you can talk directly to the listener? What would you want to say? The thing that comes to mind first is gratitude. Um, You know, a lot of times when we're talking about our traumas and the pain we've gone through, we're listing off all the bad things that have happened and what's brought us to this low point. And then moving forward, we talk about the steps that are going to need to be taken. But I think such a crucial part of the healing journey is choosing things to be thankful for. Um, I had the chance to hear a psychologist early on uh, after the break-in that talked about the power of choosing thankfulness and how it is actually changing the the chemicals in your brain, having gratitude, um, being really intentional to write those things down. It's not just thinking, oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. It's be specific, write them down. You could even tell somebody and choosing to look for things of gratitude are just, it's, it changes not only your physical brain, but I really think it changes your spiritual uh, connectivity and helps you to see what God is doing that's good in your life. And it kind of prepares your mind for healing. Um, So those other steps are like counseling or community. Those things are very important. But in your own mind, you need to be fostering an atmosphere of gratitude so that you're ready to receive the things that come your way for healing. And I know for me, that was super important. And um, like we talked about the body of Christ and the way that people came around us and supported us immediately gave me something to be thankful for. Um, And so whatever situation you're in, looking for the positive, asking God to show you the things if you can't think of them on your own, um, and just allowing that work to transform your mind so that Christ can continue to do the work that he wants to do in your heart. Accentuating the positive can seem so trite, (laughs) but having it come from someone like you and the experience you've been through, the trauma, and then your continued healing process, uh, it it makes you do a double take Mm. and say, hmm, there's something here. And I love that coming out of that gratitude prepares your mind for healing. Um, yeah. And if healing's the end goal, then gratitude is a tool. Um, Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the the podcast and, and joining us for this episode. I really appreciate it. I hope we see you at conference. Sounds like you got a lot going on in life, um, <laughs> but that conference is coming up in November. If anybody okay. wants to go there, uh, you can go to greatstoryministries.com, um, click on register and get some more information. Uh, but Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Nate. I enjoyed talking to you and I just will continue to pray for any of the listeners that uh, God will continue to work in your hearts the way that he has in mine and there is hope. Wow. Every time I get done with one of these episodes and I hope you feel the same way listening in, I am in challenged. I'm, I'm always inspired, uh, especially when we have a storyteller on. 
Um, and if you if you like uh, stories uh, from people who are passionate about using their story to help others, uh, you're not going to want to miss Grace Story Conference 2021 coming up in November. Um, there's going to be storytellers just like Rachel Henry, followed up by qualified master's level or field expert um, instructors who are going to not only help you understand and relate to a story, but then the instructors are going to give you action items and relevant ways to move forward in your journey of restoration based on those stories and put some tools in your tool bag for later on down the road. Uh, so if you want to save 25% on that, head on over to graystoryministries.com, uh, click on registration and type in podcast 25 uh, to save 25% off. As always, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, uh, the best way is to share it with others, uh, whether that's word of mouth, sending it via text, or posting about it on social media, uh, leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. To catch all the latest from Grace Story Podcast, you can follow us on Instagram uh, at Grace Story Podcast, all one word. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, all sorts of good things over there you're not going to want to miss out on. Um, we'll be back in two more weeks with another episode for you. Uh, we hope that you'll tune in then or go back, listen to past episodes, share those with your friends as well. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, We'll be praying for you on your journey of restoration.